started last week's pod with a famous quote from the movie franchise Major League. And you bet we couldn't record three weeks in a row. We got two, but we couldn't get that third week in a row. But have no fear, the Sing Second podcast is back, stockpiled with Nebraska land snacks as always. So make sure you get those ready for a nice little FCS championship edition of the Sing Second podcast. Um, now, before we uh, jump too far into the FCS, things that have happened since the last time we talked. Today, the NFL schedule came out. We had the NFL draft, the Nebraska spring game, and maybe most surprisingly, Tim Tebow is back, baby. Tebow mania. FL. Back with his former coach, too, which is more ironic. But we'll get into that later. Uh, Brandon, NFL draft talk real quick. Philadelphia Eagles. What would what, what you give them as an overall draft grade since everybody does that? Ooh, it's real tough for me to grade and be positive about it. Uh, it's all because of the efforts of other teams around us, uh, which made any of this a success from my point of view. I know old Colin, uh, a longtime listener of the podcast, Colin, graduating. Congratulations, Colin, graduating. And I said I would give you a little shout out on this episode uh, at your reception. Um, he was pretty disappointed at the Broncos, but the Broncos helped me out a whole lot uh, by going in and getting the corner from uh, Alabama, Sertain. Yeah, Patrick. I told myself, whoa, okay. I thought maybe that the Cowboys were going to be getting them. So then the Cowboys, right at that time, in my house, I said, we could be seeing an Eagle Cowboy trade right here. That's and, like blasphemy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I know. And Ange was like, no, that would not. And it happened, which made me glad because the Giants were just, you know, like at the end of uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the people are falling down the canyon and those alligators, chomp, 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 waiting for people to go down to get their little snacks. Those little alligators there were the New York Giants waiting for Devontae Smith to just be falling to them. And right out of the snatches of death come the cow or come the Eagles. Bless me, man. Wash my mouth out with soap. And uh, the Eagles come and get Devontae Smith, who is, if you all remember pre-draft, I said that's who I would want the Eagles to draft, but I was guessing that we would probably try to get Patrick Sertain or, or if we didn't get any of them, I'd just be disappointed. So Devontae Smith, I like the pick. That's Howie Roseman's going around strutting his stuff, you know, the old McMahon walk, you know, from wrestling, thinking he's all bad. Well, Howie Roseman lucked out right there because had the Broncos not taken that corner, Eagles would have been screwed, and I'd have been giving them an F minus right now. Uh, I would still give them probably a C minus or a D plus because I, the rest of it wasn't that great to me. We needed to do better on the second and third round pick. But Devontae Smith, I'm excited. 
hopefully the offensive lineman from Alabama, the center, hopefully he can stay healthy for us. But uh, four season-ending injuries in five years, mathematically speaking, that is not optimum. So hopefully he, he could do that because he would be a great offensive line. But last year, the Eagles had 14 different O-line starting combinations. And uh, bringing a guy who has that many injuries, to me, you're just trying to fix a problem with more of the same problem. And then uh, the defensive tackle that they got in the third round, they could have they got someone else. They had some other people that – that some of the scouts liked. It was publicized on video uh, where the lead scout was not happy with the picks. And maybe the most iconic video of the draft. I was like, that guy is me pretty much every time the Eagles make some kind of decision like that. So it it made me feel less crazy. Like I wasn't taking crazy pills, you know? So that was kind of, the, the look at that defensive tackle, he's athletic, but he's a little undersized. So I don't know. I'm not, you know, he made a lot of good plays. Looks athletic, but he's undersized. I feel like they could have done better everywhere else. And then once you get to the fourth through the end, I mean, it's a crapshoot anyway. So I'm not going to degrade those. If you if you like the person on your board and you, you think you can coach him up, then you get them. But the first, the first one, I would say I would give that pick an A+, do the efforts of all the teams ahead of the Eagles. <laughs> so nothing from us, just, just fluke. And then uh, the rest of it, I, I would probably give maybe a D-. minus. So I'm going to give it a D-plus overall for the Eagles. Interesting. Interessante. Now, I guess on my Titans end, now, mm-hmm. to, I guess, let me back up a little bit here. Uh, we had an away game. I think it was at Scott's Bluff uh, for soccer, mm-hmm. which is in mountain time. So I kind of threw my whole clock through a, a, a spin there on a Thursday night. But we were at a magical place called Culver's, which did not sit well with uh, Danny or I. But when that pick, was it 11 to 10, that trade that – Philly and Dallas end up having or something good, whatever it was. Um, it it kind of came across my ticker cause I was watching it on my phone and like, I had to like read it three times because much like the Red Sox and the, the Yankees are never going to trade or since, you know, one other time, Babe Ruth, you would never see an, an Eagle cowboy trade. Maybe one of the other division rivals, that I'd, uh, you just don't hear the hatred for much like the Eagles and the Cowboys. And so yeah. to see that and the Eagles actually make, you know, pick that the best player available, a home run threat for Jalen Hurts because it was, he was thrown to ex-quarterbacks last year. He was thrown to guys who wouldn't make active rosters on other teams. Like it's – he needed all the help he could get there. For sure. But – no, I shoot Tennessee, uh, my my Titans. I'm gonna say my Titans now after a full year of fandom. It's you been a great to, year. I know. Um, they drafted Caleb Farley out of Virginia Tech, who, you know, top ten pick potentially, but is coming off back surgery, maybe even a second back surgery, and uh, they screwed up their first round pick last year. 
guy never played a snap. And then he traded him for a seventh round pick and then the Dolphins cut him a day later. So uh, obviously it's risky, top 10 potential, but backs are kind of important to the body. And that makes me nervous. But, you know, for a draft last year that went haywire with their top pick, a risky pick is it's kind of nerve wracking. So we'll see. I mean, obviously potential's there, but never know. High risk, high reward. High risk, high reward. And at some point, Al Davis said it best, just win, baby, right? For sure. But, um, but no, uh, there is one more game this year before we get into the old college football and NFL slate that is taking off in August. We have the FCS National Championship. A lot of games were canceled this spring, um, which was kind of a deterrent, but we've made it to the final two. And when we did our our pick them two pods ago, or maybe it was just one pod ago, gosh, I don't remember now, um, we all kind of went shock, except Macho. Macho didn't do too hot. <laughs> yeah, Macho was rough. Last time he's ever invited. Yeah, I guess you, I totally jumped over. We got talking about the NFL. What's good is where we go next after the intro. Jeez Louise, I'm falling apart here. It's like I've never hosted a... Uh, a podcast before but you know like we always do about five minutes ago kyle what's good crickets crickets oh kyle not here tonight danny what's good crickets crickets oh well to be fair uh they're in omaha uh the their state soccer going on and so they they made the trip to support the dogs which is awesome uh, it was zero zero at halftime last time I checked. So yeah. we're in a dog fight, which is awesome. Um, so it's just yours truly and Brandon tonight, which is obviously why we're talking FCS football. We, get, <laughs> we finally get the chance. Um, but you know, Brandon, what's good? Well, for me, I guess tonight was day one Zoom of my newest class that I'm taking, and. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Classmates are all awesome. This is back-to-back classes in which I've taken where everybody in the class is awesome on first impressions. Teacher's awesome. I'm excited for... Are you just saying that because they're going to be listeners? And so when they backtrack... they'll or... be listeners. Hopefully they'll be listeners, but they all do seem like great people. And ha- I share some commonalities with many of them, uh, just similar interests. I guess as one would expect, if you're taking a, a program of study, you know, you're probably going to have a lot in, in common with them. But I'm, I'm excited to go on this journey to be able to tell compelling stories using all sorts of digital media. I like to fancy myself as a little bit of a storyteller. And uh, I don't know if anybody knows that or not. Or if not... Listen to the first uh, 23, 24 podcasts there. So this one, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about it and how to use tools available to me to be more, let me say uh, the right word, gooder at it, to be more efficient at it, to be more effective. So that's what's good with me. It was an awesome night of class and I had a lot of fun and and normally that's a good day for me. And then to top it off with the Sing Second podcast recording, icing on sprinkling 
on the icing on the cake. What's good with you? Well, I uh, HBCU head coach hirings in the last 365 days or whatever. Um, obviously, Dion to Jackson State has been talked about for a long, long time. Yeah. But uh, Eddie George got hired on at Tennessee State this this year, like last week or so. And um, so name profile, getting to programs that historically have some good athletics um, and are able to make, maybe change the perception of what recruiting looks like a little bit. And obviously being in a, in a state where Tennessee high school football is pretty good and you have the Titans on Sunday – and, and obviously Tennessee volunteers are all over the place. They're, they're up and down depending on the given year. Vanderbilt's within the same city as Tennessee State's located. And, and so there, there's potential for some, you know, uh, some growth within that program. And, and a fan base, I think, is, is hungry for some wins on a Saturday, not just a Friday or a Sunday. So uh, his head or his offensive coordinator there, Eddie George at Tennessee State, his offensive coordinator is Hugh Jackson, so former Cleveland Brown head coach. And so obviously being a head uh, head coach in the NFL means you're probably one of the top 32 or 34 or 36 coaches in in football together, not just pros or the college ranks. So to have an ex-NFL head coach as your your OC, I think, says a lot. And so it'll be interesting to see what – Jackson State does in the next three or four or five years and what Tennessee State does now that they've got a totally different type of head coach and Eddie George versus Deion Sanders, but a, a big name guy who has a vision and it does a lot outside the outside the field of football in this in his spare time. These these players who are becoming coaches and have a little style to them, have a little swag about them. Uh I'm curious, you know, with, you know, scholarship limits, you know, at the different levels. Okay. But then where this legislation goes, if people can start making money off their likenesses, I'm curious to see how it'll be because it, at one point or other, this will most likely evolve to where a student athlete, similar to somebody with the marketing and self-brand of Tim Tebow's who we'll be talking about later, but uh, they could be making more money than what their scholarship would. And then maybe it doesn't matter what school they go to. You could have somebody, you know, who's like, Oh, my coach is prime time and kind of builds that up there, builds a little more awareness and then provide some of those opportunities. I'm curious to see how much less important scholarship matters later and more important of the brand building capabilities that the schools provide for those athletes. Well, and kind of leading back to that, uh, Tennessee State's campus is in Nashville, and so is Vanderbilt's. And clearly Vanderbilt has been up and down with Derek Mason and James Franklin. And she don't even know who's at the helm now, but there's potential there. And when Nashville's behind their, their school, they've, you know, they're obviously going to support it full, full fledged. And so like at Tennessee state who they're not playing an sec schedule every week, but if they start winning and Nashville, you know, gets behind 
a former Titan, Eddie George, former Heisman winner, you would think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with, does it really matter if you're in the SEC anymore or you're an HBCU quarterback or, you know, middle linebacker, whatever it is that's, you know, leading the charge. Millions of people could see you on TV or everyone in the world has access to seeing you on Twitter, TikTok, or what have you. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that uh, evolution when Huskers used to be on TV twice, three times a year. Well, now every game is streamed somehow. And so you just need the four ninety nine ESPN Plus package or uh, a lot of the schools, if you even ask smaller school, just put it straight onto their website and things like that. So, you know, at this point, possibilities are really endless to, to be seen when money's on the line. But no, moving forward, one game left. And then there was one. And it's on Sunday. We had that conversation this morning. We, we threw out like four, four different days. It, it is this Sunday, 2 o'clock Central Time on ABC, good old ABC National Television. Uh, it went chalk, just kind of like we alluded to earlier. Went chalk, 1v2. Number two, Sam Houston Bearcats with a K. Bearcats with a yeah. K. Versus your number one South Dakota State Nebraska Jacks, um, the, you know it's always I think when people assume it's going to be one versus two, it never ends up that way. There's a in a, a one or two interesting scores along the way, but for the most part, we ended up right where everybody thought we would. And so, uh, Brandon, real quick thoughts. I know, uh, much like me, you're more of a Missouri Valley. Uh, football junkie nerd. I don't know what uh, adjective is probably the best to describe it, but what, what's your thoughts on this, this matchup between two powerhouses of the FCS, but never really meeting in, in uh, Frisco? Well, to lead off with the uh, sing second nation, sing second country, whatever you want to call the the community of our listeners overwhelmingly on Twitter voting for Jackrabbits. So you would think it's not even going to be close. I on it voted Sam Houston state because back when we did the, the original playoffs, I believe that I picked Sam Houston state to win it all at that time. So I I'm going to stick with that. And I, I did put that on Twitter just because I knew most people were going to go South Dakota State. And I wanted to add a little bit of variety. Did I go? This is mine, but I have Sam Houston as well. Oh, nice, nice. So uh, I was – and I know we got a lot of people who kind of have ties to South Dakota, you know, and that with our listeners. So, um, you know, South Dakota State, 33-3 to over Delaware. Is that right? Is that what the score was? Yeah, yeah. And Delaware has had a top five defense all all spring, and to see them come out and win by thirty, that's pretty impressive. I was super impressed with that. Mark Gronowski's a good quarterback, uh, efficient, and you know when they get that run going, boom! It's like they kind of bore you a little bit with it, and then all of a sudden. They have, and they ran it for like, I don't know if it was a 60 or 70-yard touchdown run or something. Maybe it wasn't that far, but it was a pretty big run. Fake that motion. 
Oh, surprise quarterback counter reverse side. And he's off to the races. That's not to cut you off here, Brandon, but they have elements of North Dakota States where they're not going to ask their quarterback to throw it 25, 30, 40 times, like some of these other uh, shotgun based systems, but they're, they, they want to run the ball, but against North Dakota state two weeks ago, or I guess three weeks ago now, they, they really started to run Gronowski mm-hmm. and he's, I mean, a big physical guy who clearly can, uh, can move the chains. And so once they got him going, uh, this offense is so much more uh, deadly. And I think you hit the nail on the head efficient 10 of 16 passing 162 yards and two TDs. So, I mean, not going to ask to do a ton, but when it, his number's called, he's going to, he's going to be uh, safe with it, but also put it where it needs to go. Yeah, so it gives you a lot to think about as a defense. Uh, Pierre Strong. I feel like he's been there for like a – Yeah. He's he's been there for a decade. uh, He's super dependable. And when I think of them this year with all those elements, that O-line and D-line are both physical and they're very strong. And they can out-muscle most people. They're, they're freaking formidable, and they have been fun to watch. Sometimes I don't know why I'm picking Sam Houston to win the game when I, when I start talking about the Jackrabbits because they are a very good football team. And going into this co- last college football season when I thought it wasn't going to change much, I was concerned as a Nebraska fan. I was concerned about that game. Like when Nebraska was going to play Jackrabbits, yeah. I thought that Nebraska was probably going to lose. And not trying to be overly negative or, or all that, but I just thought that is something that could maybe not be the best scheduling choice for us on this particular year. And it it would have been an uncomfortable game, I feel like, for that. Well, in the last time South Dakota State played at Nebraska, they've the last two times, maybe the only two times they've ever played Nebraska, both games were pretty dang close. And South Dakota State was a good FCS team at the time, but they aren't where they are now. And so at having Nebraska be maybe not at its lowest point, but perceivably one of its lowest points, and have South Dakota State in a year – Obviously, they wouldn't have known this before, but they've knocked off North Dakota State. When you knock off Big Brother, you know you're going to be feeling pretty good. And so if in some days people think North Dakota State would have beat Nebraska if they would have had that game in the fall. And so um, it, it would have been fun to watch just because of all the names from Nebraska on both uh, both rosters. But people in the old southern state there of Nebraska may not have liked where that ended up. Yeah, I agree. Um for do you want me to go Sam Houston now, or did you? Sure. Did you have- yeah, no, I you hit on everything I was I was going to talk about. Gronowski being efficient took my right out of me, and then you know Pierre Strong leading a very balanced attack. They had eight or nine guys with at least two rushes, um, but he had a, a big, big bulk of that 168 yard rush attack. I liked it. Sam Houston played James Madison 38 to 35 in the most momentum type of games uh, 
quite crazy, you know, and this is, and I know people can look at the score 38 to 35 with geez, Sam Houston, not very good, but the fact that normally Eric Schmidt is pretty awesome, you know, yeah. and the fact that he was not having one of his better games um, and their third down offense wasn't near as their third down execution just wasn't up to what it had been. Um, I think the fact that they were able to all of a sudden, boom, flip the switch. Okay, now we're for real. <laughs> and then they can they can make things happen. I don't think they're going to have two games in a row uh, with that kind of stuff. I think they're going to come out a little focused. You know, they're going to probably this week work real good on just execution, uh, making sure that we're uh, – success on first down, making third down manageable and, and capitalizing on that. And then uh, when I think of their defense, I think of like an aggressive pass rush. And sometimes that's really good when everything's going for you. And sometimes it could be bad, like where we were talking um, about Gronowski running. If they over pursue that, they're going to call that counter or they're going to call just a read. You know what I mean? Off of it. And then get that quarterback out in space. And he's going to be, there's going to be some misdirection. And I just think Sam Houston needs to be a little weary. Like uh, we used to, well, we used to always say like on pursuit drill when I coached and it was like, tell the backside guys like BCR, BCR, whatever, you know, boot counter reverse to stay back on the reverse side. So you're just being a little bit aware of that. And I think if Sam Houston can do that and make some big plays and, and gets uh, the Jackrabbits in second and long, third and long, and then play with a little bit of a lead, play in a yes passing situation, I, I, feel, I still feel Sam Houston can get it done. I just think that offense is explosive, tough to stop when they're rolling. In that defense, play aggressive, but be smart. What do you think? You know, I, I, you brought up a lot of good points. Um, but seeing the since the playoffs have started, Sam Houston is not that offensive juggernaut that we saw through the year, spring season. And um, historically, usually Sam Houston's got a quarterback who throws for a bajillion yards and throws it 45, 50 times a game sometimes. On Saturday um, against James Masson, and James Masson is a heck of a heck of an FCS program, probably the number two program historically the last decade or so, maybe even longer. Um, but Schmid, 13 of 27. 27 is not ungodly for number of passes. Uh, one one touchdown, two interceptions. So a very average day um, by Sam Houston standards, um, under 50% completion. And so – um, South Dakota State's defense is just as formidable, if not better, than James Madison. And so um, I'm, I'm a little nervous with my Sam Houston pick just because I came in thinking one thing and uh, Schmid has not really played like he has in the past or that offense has in the past. The, the intriguing part, though, is Sam Houston had a punt return, punt return for a touchdown against James Madison last week. South Dakota State had two returns, one punt return, one kick return of 40-plus yards. And so special teams-wise, if you can break one of those, like both teams have the potential from last week, or if you can shut one of those down, 
Uh, you know, I think both offenses and both defenses have, have the chance to kind of cancel each other out. And that, that special teams game may be the deciding factor of who ends up, you know, taking this crazy championship season back to, back to their campus. It's a third of the game, man. A third of the game. That's why you got to spend time practicing it every week. Mathematically, that doesn't make any sense, but I agree. Yeah, play play number wise, it's it's but sometimes it's the a most third important. of a percent of the game, baby. A third of a percent <laughs> of the game. I know, and it, it's funny how a defense can just be rocking, but a, a punt return or a long kick return can totally flip it because now the defense is off their mark and it's not starting on the twenty; they're starting on their forty-five or something crazy. Like that. Um, both teams show the potential for it, and it'll be an intriguing matchup, that's for sure. I can't wait. But no, prime time on ABC, well, I guess not prime time, middle of the afternoon on ABC. Nothing better. Might be the first national broadcast FCS championship, won't it? Yeah. Because most of the other ones are on ESPN, aren't they? Yeah. It'll be exciting. Because either this or ESPN 8's cornhole championships or whatever they're going to do, so... Glad FCS championship won out. It might have been closer than what the experts thought, but but I'm glad that they won out. (laughs) That's right. All right. We already hinted at it earlier, though. Tim Tebow, after a, was it, four-year stint, five-year stint as a minor league baseball player, is back in the NFL. Brian, what are your thoughts on Tebow being back in the NFL? I love everything about it. And it makes sense to me. You know, I know he's probably not going to be an impact player on the field. But as I can relate this most to being an Eagle fan in the year that the Eagles won their Super Bowl. A big part of it, uh, you know, with all the books and stuff coming out, Nick Foles was a backup on the team. And, you know, helped lead the Bible studies and just this camaraderie with the, with the team. And they were real spiritually strong. And to me, Urban Meyer, uh, ever since not having Tim Tebow, hasn't had the best of luck with uh, players being very great citizens all the time. I don't know how to say this in, in the right way, but they get in a little bit of trouble. And then he would have health concerns and he'd leave and be a broadcaster. And then he'd go to another place. They get a little trouble. And then he has health concerns. And now, now he's in Jacksonville. So to me, I think it works out good because, man, Tim Tebow, there in the state of Florida, he's going to be the highest selling jersey on that team. He was for the Eagles uh, for a while when he was with them as in competition for the third string spot. Uh, which he eventually lost. Uh, but, you know, I, I I like to root for him. I like that he stands up for what he believes in, even though uh, with with some of the media and stuff like that, it's not always the popular thing uh, to do it. And he stands by it and he does what's right. And I think having him in your locker room and Urban Meyer just saying, you know, this is a guy that's going to work hard. Uh, people will kind of flock to him a little bit. And I think he can kind of, whether it is doing the same kind of a kind of a Bible study or kind of a thing, just 
having guys bond together, I, I don't know. I think there's a little bit of something to that. And I think uh, especially, you know, where they're trying to build something good, getting those foundational pieces in your, just your philosophies into place and having somebody being there, you can trust. Tip Kelly didn't have that in Philadelphia and he ends up getting run out of town in, in three years, you know? Uh, had he had Marcus Mariota there, you know, he, he might've stayed a little bit longer. He might've, might've had a leader on the team who can stand up on his behalf. And I think uh, Urban Meyer, where this is gonna be a pretty big transition um, going from a situation where he can now athlete everyone and now is in a system that is dedicated to make everyone mediocre. Uh, and he's going to have to do maybe the hardest, the best coaching job he's ever done to be successful at the NFL, I possibly think. And I think just having somebody in there who he trusts, who he can count on, that's, that's maybe going to help make that transition better but i i love tim tebow i think he's cool one of the best college football players of all time he's a fellow gator uh when they lost the game his senior year and he addresses the media and makes a guarantee like this is not gonna happen again i promise you you won't see a team that'll work harder and we're gonna win out win a national championship and delivered on it that's the stuff of legends and i'm i'm all for tebow mania i even if he doesn't play, I'm excited he's around football. Uh, there may not be a more polarizing character than Tim Tebow. I mean, a guy who, um, you know, he, he was a darn good baseball player when he was in high school, and then that's why he was able to hang around the minor league baseball uh, scene for so many years before I think retiring two years ago or something, something like that and yeah. focused on the broadcasting aspect. Um but again, I think you hit it on the head with his stand-up characterness. He is a guy who, for all intents and purposes, he seems like he shows up first and leaves last. And um, very rarely do you see kind of those culture guys in the NFL. You, you don't hear about them. And at least I think here's a message of what being a good teammate could look like. And um, again, he, he, it's fun to hate him, but it's, it's also a lot of fun to root for him just because – um, he, he does do a lot of things the right way. And so, you know, it'd be interesting to see if he took the advice and was a tight end or an H back, whatever you want to call it right out of college and probably could have, you know, been a pretty good, pretty good asset to a lot of teams, but he's also the same guy who the only quarterback to win a playoff game for Denver in the last however many years is him and Peyton Manning. And you wouldn't put those two in a conversation very much in the quarterback scene. So, um, but no, he's, it'll be fun. It'll be interesting to see what, what the Trevor Lawrence, Tim Tebow, um, Travis Etienne, Urban Meyer, you throw all those different characters that are, are new in Jacksonville together. Um, think it's fun uh, I kind of even though I'm a Titans fan and Jacksonville's in the same division I kind of have an eye on Jacksonville just because their owner is also the owner of AEW the wrestling promotion oh, and, and so having a lot of respect for that and it'll be interesting I hope I Jacksonville seems like a, a team that is always close and then something happens and they don't have the depth or or the uh, the system just doesn't quite fit. And so hopefully now with Urban, 
with Tebow and the direction they're going, they've got a lot of young guys that hopefully can play. Shoot, let him be a holder. Let him be a personal protector for the punter. That guy can play special teams, can't he? I mean, no. At this point, I think he's wanting to play anything he can. So it's kind of cool. And I shoot, maybe he sees Taysom Hill doing that. And goes, I was just thinking, why, that too. why couldn't I be Taysom Hill 1.50 or something goofy like that? But I want one more jump pass. One more jump pass with Jacksonville. Let's just do it. <laughs> and shoot, I think with it being in the state of Florida, with it being head coached by Urban Meyer, is there not a better full circle story than a Tim Tebow? winning a game in, in Florida. it's That's super fun, you know, for, for college football fans and for Florida sports fans. They're, they're going to keep an eye on it and see how he does during uh, OTAs, training camps, preseason, and see if he can make that roster. I hope he does. Yeah, it would be pretty pretty cool. And, yeah, what's a one-year deal, deal or something like that. So yeah. low incentive, low risk, and – you know, nothing but reward at that point. All right. Extra points. Uh, Brandon, short and sweet tonight. A little FCS talk, a little draft coverage. We'll definitely break the draft down more as we get closer to the game. Spring game happened a couple weeks ago. We'll, we'll save that for Kyle and Danny when they return because I know they'll have some thoughts on it. But uh, FCS championship Sunday. Extra point, though, on anything? Little Army football, thank goodness that it didn't work out. Uh, Jeff Munkin deserves a chance for a Power 5 job, but he can do better than Kansas. I think that's a blessing in disguise. I'm super excited as an Army football fan that he's coming back um, because they have a tough schedule this year. And also another Army news 2024 added to the schedule Notre Dame Army I hope Army keeps improving there and you know I remember when Navy knocked off Notre Dame to see something like that would be awesome two story I want to go to that game like if it is in South Bend not South Bend Nebraska not South Bend Nebraska or if even if it was there it'd be closer but if if it's if it's at Notre Dame, I am strongly contemplating on what do I got to do to make sure I can go to that game to see because I want to go to watch the game there. Yeah, it might as well be a team that I like and but could also watch non-biasly and just enjoy. Yeah, the, the atmosphere the of it. Yeah, atmosphere that is touchdown Jesus there. How about next point for you? You know, I'll, I'll stay on the uh, the bandwagon that you did, did with Munkin, but I'll talk in favor of KU. A uh, lot of in-laws that are KU grads, fans of KU, um, and so I have kind of a soft spot for Kansas. I, I never thought I would at the beginning of this life journey, I suppose you would say, but uh, KU deserves a good coach, and Lance Leipold is a, a darn good coach. He absolutely he you know coached uh, Wisconsin Whitewater in the prime of that program's history, and was either in the national championship every year for like third ten straight years, or lost in the national championship every year for that, those ten years, and has seven national titles in that ten year span or whatever. Um, 
went to Buffalo and Buffalo obviously have some, has some, uh, has had some good teams and some noble Nebraska ties coaching wise, but wasn't there when he took over and they had two 1200 yard rushers this last year. And is, is a top team in the Mac the last few years since he took over. And so he's, he's really good at building programs and that's what KU needs. I mean, obviously Les Miles has done it and won and is a big name and KU deserved kind of a big name, but now they need a guy who can get in on the ground floor and really change perceptions about what football in the state of Kansas looks like. And so I'm excited for that. And so next extra point isn't to go against you, Branks. I would have enjoyed Jeff Munkin at KU. I really would have, but I'm happy that he's happy where he's at and KU got Lance. So all the way around, good vibes. Oh yeah. I th- I guarantee, I guarantee you're right. You know, uh, I felt they couldn't go wrong with either coach. I just wasn't quite ready for this year for Army to be without Kansas. And had they taken Munkin, I, I probably would have bought some Kansas gear for it. But yeah. I feel like they got a great coach. Army gets to keep their great coach as well. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, the, the, the flex bone is total buy-in. And I think it would have worked at KU. Definitely would have. It now – to make a total different shift though from kind of their RPO that they ran last year and to make it a, a flex is pretty tough. And so definitely Especially with the short turnaround with yeah. the coach joining the slate. Yeah. And so it, it wouldn't have been good and it wouldn't have looked good. So probably better that it wasn't Munkin right now, but it'd be cool to see the flex bone in the old big 12 for sure. Yeah. Make sure though you check us out Twitter Brands running that baby all the way through, posting great questions, commenting great things on uh, on other people's uh, posts. Nothing Desmond Howard related very very recently, which is kind of sad. You're you're kind of poking the bear for a while, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, I'm sure he'll say something <laughs> that'll make me mad in the near future. You know, <laughs> so make sure you follow us again. Follow us on Twitter, especially right around this FCS championship game on Sunday. Um, There will be some good stuff leading up to that. And as always, sing second.